This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening to Embodied Astrology. My name is Renee. I'm an artist, educator, and healer currently based in Portland, Oregon. I study and practice tropical astrology, which is a system of esoteric philosophy and sacredness. It's foundational to contemporary life sciences, astronomy, cosmology, and even modern medicine. Embodied astrology is one of the ways I like to think about things. It's a lens that views the seasons and cycles of Earth and our relationship to planets and the cosmos as an important and intrinsic factor in the experiences we're having here as humans. Through my lens as a feminist and queer person and student of sacredness, I use astrology as a starting point to consider personal and collective evolution, current affairs, relationships, and spirituality. Along with this podcast, I offer accompanying new and full moon horoscopes and guided somatic meditations. The horoscopes are journeys through the most potent aspects of the new and full moon charts applied to each individual sign. The guided meditations are body-based and experiential. They include movement, breathing, and inner awareness, and are offered to assist you in processing and thriving with the astrology of right now. In addition to these audio offerings, you can find short essays based on the lunar charts and new and full moon affirmations for all 12 signs at embodiedastrology.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where I post semi-regular astro updates and other inspiration. These offerings are given freely and self-produced by me, with occasional help from other artists and my sweet cat, May. If you'd like to support this work, please consider sharing it with your communities, writing reviews for the podcast, and leaving likes and comments on the links where you find it. I want to say a special thank you to those of you who send financial support. A one-time or recurring monthly donation of any amount makes a big impact, and every bit goes towards supporting this work to continue. If you make recurring monthly donations, you'll also receive my Zodiacal Season journals as a gift every month. These journals are each about 40 pages long and filled with tons of information about astrology, lunar cycles, and planetary aspects for the current season. Like right now, we're about to start Capricorn season. The journals are also for sale on my website for a one-time purchase. To check them out or to sign up to become a monthly donor, head over to Embodied Astrology and click Donate or find the journals in the shop. This podcast was recorded on December 21st, 2018 for the full moon in Cancer. Before I get into it, I want to make a few announcements and I hope you'll stick around to listen to them at least once since they're announcements for some upcoming events and classes I'm offering in the next few weeks. If you're listening twice or want to skip ahead, I get into the full moon feelings just around five and a half minutes in. All right, thanks for listening to these upcoming announcements. I have a few events that are coming up in Portland, Oregon, if you happen to be here. Um, both of these offerings will also find their way onto the internet after, so if you're not in Portland, you can still access them there. On December 22nd at North Portland Yoga, I'm really excited to offer a space for a solstice ritual. This ritual starts at 2.30 in the afternoon, it ends at 5. It will include movement and meditation and embodiment practices, as well as journaling and who knows what else, but we'll call in the longest night of the year and the return of light together. 
planning to record that workshop and offer it as a free podcast. So if you check my website or SoundCloud or Instagram on December 23rd on Sunday, you should be able to find it there by then. And it's just an offering. Happy solstice. I hope you enjoy. On January 5th at Psychic Sister on Alberta Street in Portland, Oregon, I'll be offering a three-hour workshop from 6.30 to 9.30, that's a Saturday night, called Welcoming 2019. And in this workshop, I'm going to look at the upcoming astrology, the major transits and the eclipses of 2019, and I'll give you information about how to apply this astrology uh, to your personal charts or to the charts with your rising signs or your sun signs. This workshop will also be recorded, and I'll offer the recording along with the PDF as an online class uh, for those of you who are interested, and that should be up by January 9th or 10th at the latest. So again, check out embodiedastrology.com or all the socials, and you can find the information there. Finally, I have a couple of sessions left in January and some new availability opening up in February. If you'd like to get in for a personal or relationship astrology reading, I love working with you. I use astrology and embodiment to offer one-on-one sessions. Um, These sessions can really span into any area of your life and provide a lot of support and guidance for whatever it is that you're working on. You can see more information about these sessions and what I offer also at Embodied Astrology under Work With Me. All right. Well, hello. Hello again. Welcome back from that intro, those announcements. Thank you for listening. In the spirit of Capricorn, I'm trying to get a little bit more professional in producing this podcast. And um, let me know what you think. Okay, so the astrology of right now, it is the full moon, it's the solstice here in the northern hemisphere where I live in Portland, Oregon, it is the winter solstice. It's the longest night of the year. And it is dark, 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 it gets dark at 4, 430 in the afternoon. Um, It kind of feels like it never really gets light out in the morning. You know, it gets light really late, and then the light is cold and gray, and the sun is very low in the sky. So the solstice is one of four times in the year that we celebrate the beginnings of seasons. And here in the Northern Hemisphere, we're celebrating the beginning of winter, which is also the return of the light. So... Now is the longest night, and starting the day after tomorrow, the days will start to get a little bit longer every day, and we'll begin to move back to the other time of the year, the other opposite, um, which is summer. So summer and winter are the two polarities, and this is the hottest and the coldest, the longest day, the longest night. And then between summer and winter, we have what are called the equinoxes, and equinox translates to equal night. And in the spring and the fall, Aries and Libra, we celebrate balanced light, equal days and nights. And these four times a year are sacred times. They're sacred days. They are reminders that we live on a planet that is orbiting around a star And that star is magnificent. It gives us heat and warmth. 
And our planet is so amazing. I don't know how we lucked out and got this real estate, but it is really something special to live on planet Earth. We have an atmosphere that protects us, and inside of that atmosphere we have elements, air, water, fire. We have gases, we have minerals. Um, we have this protection membrane of our atmosphere that allows all kinds of things to grow, including life forms like us. <laughs> and we, um, who knows what we are, humans. Um, some people will say that we're the byproduct of some kind of alien bacteria that landed here on an asteroid long ago. And because of what magic uh, the planet Earth happens to be, that bacteria morphed and transformed over eons, becoming single-celled, then multi-celled organisms, then um, tube-like structures, then belly-crawler reptilian beings, then four-leggeds, and then two-leggeds. And we have been evolving, so to speak, ever since. And solstice is a, a way to mark the time. So if we think back to our origins, um, you know, far beyond your grandparents, far beyond their grandparents, but back to our ancestral origins that we all share. So regardless of what, whatever, you know, differentiating identity you might claim now, there's a common ancestry that all of us who claim human um, share. And these ancestors kept time. And across the entire globe, you'll find recordings of people keeping time. And people kept time through tracking light and season. So at the solstice, of course, we have the longest night. It's a remarkable time of year. And it's a time to celebrate and at least in some parts of my ancestry, coming from, uh, I think, mostly European roots, um, solstice was celebrated as Yule. And so it's a time when people come together and they light candles and they share stories and they give gifts and they honor the return of the light. And part of that honoring is... Um, remembering the light in one another and remembering the shared light of our communal spaces. My love, my partner was talking earlier about traditions and how much they love traditions. And we were having kind of a funny conversation because um, I didn't grow up with a lot of traditions. I grew up in a pretty um, uh, transient kind of experience. And um, so I was poking fun a little bit, but what they said was so beautiful, which is that traditions are the things that keep us coming together. And so in our families, of course, everyone has really busy lives. We're all doing all kinds of different things. And when there's tradition around gathering, whether it's for birthdays or holidays, we come back together. And I thought that this was such a wonderful way to be thinking about Capricorn. And I'm going to talk more about Capricorn a little bit later on. But Capricorn is the season that we're in, and one of the things that it represents is connective tissue. It's our bones and our joints, and it's the ways that structures hold together over time. 
And Cancer is the opposite sign of Capricorn, and Cancer is the sign of home and family and tribe. And of course, our kin, our clans, we um, grow and move around um, now more than ever before. And so anything that's going to keep us coming back together is something that is really sacred at this time and really important. And I love thinking about this time of year and the holy days. Um, I don't know that much about traditions beyond the ones that I grew up in. And the traditions that I grew up in are Christmas and Hanukkah. I don't even know that much about them, either of them, really, as the mystic holidays that I know that they are. I know more about Christmas, at least, as this like commercial holiday. And, um, you know, Santa with sleigh bells and people getting crazy about buying presents and a lot of seasonal depression, actually, and alcohol. Like I have certain things that I would associate to Christmas. Um, I don't need to name them all. But anyway, um, I was kind of pondering how cultural appropriation works and um, thinking about, you know, what do I identify with? in terms of my ancestry and the way that I can connect to tradition and um, the, the things that tradition pertain to, like people coming together. And in not being able to remember that much, you know, I come across this like blanket of whiteness and um, whatever that is as a white person, but also as a person affected by whiteness. And so I think this is true for a lot of people who are not living in bodies with white skin, that there has been this colonizing force and this homogenizing force that has swept over a lot of the planet and populations. And it has erased our histories. We've lost a lot of our stories and I don't know what my traditions are. I don't know what my people did at this time of year. I kind of know based on who I think that they were, but there isn't really that through line that's tying us together. So in this vein of thought um, and being someone who firmly believes that we all have access to the Akashic records or the etheric plane, this is where all information is stored at all times, like any um, impression that has ever been made upon anyone at any time ever, anywhere. We all have access to that, to this infinite wisdom, and we can access it through pure mind, through pure presence, um, and a, a meditative state of being. And I think, I feel, I know in my body that this is the way that my ancestors lived. I know that. There's part of me that remembers it. And I don't know where they were. I don't know what they looked like. I don't know what they were doing. But I know that they were conscious of themselves as nature. And that that is something that's connected. It's something that's current and something that maybe isn't always conscious of itself. But it is extremely conscious in a, in a really large sense of the word. So now I'm going to start talking a little bit more about Cancer and Capricorn kind of getting into this um, 
idea and what I feel like these two different energies are. And of course, it's the full moon. So we're in the season of Capricorn. The sun is shining Capricorn's light. And the moon right now is in opposition to the sun. So if we look up in the sky at night, if you're outside, um, take a peek. And the moon's face will be fully illuminated, the side of the moon that faces towards the earth. Um, There's always a side we can't see the dark side of the moon, but there's one side that gets illuminated once a month. And when it does, it is reflecting uh, from the opposite space. And so at the full moon, I like to think about the polarities and the 12 signs or the 12 energies of the zodiac are really a set of six polarities. And I think that this is one of the things that astrology really teaches that There is balance in dualism and that studying polarity and studying dualism is actually a path to non-dualism, to um, seeing, to understanding the whole, the complexity. So when we explore opposition and see that, you know, even one thing that seems very much opposed, right, opposite to another thing, that it can't exist, without that other thing being there. They're dependent on each other. And in fact, they each not only inform the other one, but they kind of create each other. And so this is the symbol of yin-yang, the um, black and the white swirling around each other. And right at the center of each is the seed of its opposite. And so an energy gets so complete, so saturated with itself that then it implodes into its opposition. And then that cycle begins again of some kind of energy growing and and dominating and becoming so complete and so saturated that then it implodes and then it becomes its opposite and it begins again. So this dualism is really the phenomenal world, you know, and this is part of what the, the solstice represents the light and the dark, the seasonal change. Um, In the phenomenal world, we have life and death. We have up and down. We have the gravitational force and all kinds of experiences that our minds like to divide into either or. And I think that this is part of what being a human is, is trying to figure out uh, either or. And it's neither and it's both and it's not this and it's not that. And that's part of the philosophical brain tease, um, if you like to get into it. So Cancer and Capricorn are one of these things. They're a pair of, of apparent opposites, but they're actually part of the same stuff. So with these two signs, I think um, we have the parental archetypes and kind of the, the primary origins of our creation. And the, the, the growth and the causality of what becomes itself, how something is nurtured over time, how traditions and rules and um, governments are created and then in turn create families and cultures and nations. So Capricorn, this is the season that we're in right now, is the 10th sign of the zodiac, the 10th um, energy, and it is related to maturation and the adult embodiment. Um, When I say adult, I mean authority. 
I mean someone who knows what's going on. Hey, all you adults listening, don't you wish you felt like that? Um, Anyway, this is an idea, right? Like it is something that we aspire to. And in some ways, each of us will live into it. We'll live into knowing something about whatever it is that we've done a lot of. And this is Capricorn. It is experience with something over time that builds mastery. I've known a lot of Capricorn people in my life. I collect Capricorns and oh my God, these people are so tenacious. They just keep going. They keep at it. They keep trying and they get really fucking good at whatever it is that they do. And then they know it. (laughs) And then they are authorities on it. And that is what pleases Capricorn. It is to succeed over time and to be able to withstand challenges and resistance and in the challenge and the resistance to feel tenacity growing stronger, that will to achieve and survive and thrive growing stronger. We can see Capricorn in trees. So I live in the Pacific Northwest and I walk in this beautiful place called Forest Park almost every day. And I walk the same trail almost every day. Um, Very Capricorn of me. I'm not a Capricorn, but Capricorn in my sixth house, Leo rising. It's like, gotta love the routines. Um, So every day I walk this trail and usually I'm completely lost to it, actually, you know, stuck in my head thinking about whatever. And then at some point, I'll get stopped by something. There will be some bird calling, or I'll trip, or I'll catch the sun glistening through dewdrops on a spider web, something really spectacular like that. And I'll just pause. And in the quietness of the park in that moment, I'll notice the trees and I'll feel them. And in the Pacific Northwest, we have these huge evergreens and they tower up and they feel so wise. They feel so old and their roots are spreading all underneath me, all underneath you as you stand on the path. And you might know how root systems of trees are interconnected and they share nourishment with one another. They share sugars And then their stalks, their branches, their um, cores are, are growing up towards the light in this really amazing, majestic way, you know, that is just pure life force, the, the life force of our planet to reach towards warmth and to reach towards light. And it's such an astounding feeling to be with them because they're old. They're so old. Even the young ones are, um, you know, so much bigger and so much older than me. Um, It's what they feel like. They just feel so still and so wise and so generous. And one of the things that I was thinking today on my walk was how the trees that are growing here are eating um, in the soil. They're eating the life of who has lived here. So our bodies, right, are constantly in a space of composting and not, I mean, you know what I mean. So we grow, we eat food, food comes from plants, plants feed animals, 
humans eat plants and animals. Someday we die. And in some way, our bodies decompose and the molecules of our bodies, you know, get uh, torn apart and thrown asunder. And then our bodies become dust. We become soil. We become mineral. We become plant. And the trees that are growing, wherever you happen to be, are being fed from the soil that has absorbed generations past. So I was thinking about that, you know, being in a space where um, the land is appropriated, being on land that's stolen. And uh, I don't know most of the names of the Multnomah peoples, the indigenous tribes that were from around here. I know that there were many of them and that a lot of those tribes have now been collected under one or two or three names. But the ancestors, the people, the animals, the ones that came before are also still here. They're also still living in the trees. And that feels like Capricorn, if we want to think about Capricorn as an energy on earth that all of us attune to and are part of and express. Capricorn is the way that things grow over time and the patterns that grow into those things over time. And in our bodies, Capricorn rules the bones and the skin. And your bones and your skin, of course, are genetic inheritances And your bones are going to be uh, as strong and as healthy as not just the food you eat now, but the food that your parents ate and their parents ate, et cetera, et cetera. And whatever was in their water and whatever was in their air, et cetera. And this is the balance between cancer and Capricorn. So cancer rules the stomach. It's um, the life waters the the place where we kind of first receive and experience nourishment. And what we digest then becomes our structures. So this is one of the ways that Cancer and Capricorn are part of the same thing. The, The nutrients that your ancestors ate live now in your bones. And, um, Someday you're going to die and you'll be someone's ancestor and you'll live on in their bones. You stand and drop weight through your body all day long, 24 hours a day. You are moving weight through your body in some relationship to gravity or another. And you do this for as many years as you live. And this is what shapes your skeleton along with your genetic inheritance our bones grow slowly over time through resistance and pressure. And so if there are any um, deviations or asymmetries or injuries within the inherited structure or the lived experience, that's going to show up in the structure of the present, right? So like I have a a bunion that's starting to grow on my left foot. And if you don't know what that word is, it's when the, the knuckle of my big toe, um, it's starting to enlarge and it's kind of painful. And a bunion is, first of all, it's genetic, it's inherited. My grandma had them. 
Um, but it also has to do and ends up largely being formed by the way that my weight has passed for 35 years now through my skeleton and into my foot. Um, so when I look at pictures of my grandma, I see that she has um, a little bit of a tilt in her pelvis that's familiar to me and a weakness in her inner left knee. And I know she had this same bunion. And so that's uh, a posture that I inherited. And I don't know where she got it, um, but now it lives in my body. And it will be increased as a tendency or decreased based on how aware of it I am and how much I decide to work with it. So luckily for me, I've been a yoga teacher for a long time and I know something about something with bunions. Um, but it really does come down to my discipline because I know a lot about them and how to um, maybe divert them from becoming as big as they could be. But do I practice that every day? No. So this is also Capricorn, discipline. And one of the things that Capricorn represents is rules and observances, And rules and observances and discipline are really important for things that grow, especially people. And so here we get into a little bit of the parental axis of the Cancer Capricorn um, archetypes. So with Capricorn, we have the energy that makes rules and that governs and that says yes and no and that's enough and get up and do it again. In a collective sense, this energy, when it is placed in a body politic, becomes governance. So we have institutions and leaders who we elect to tell us what to do, whether we like it or not, right? Like there are these forces out there that are going, yes, you can do that. No, you can't do that. This is what we expect from you. This is what success looks like. This is what you should be when you grow up. So this is the Capricorn energy. And cancer, in opposition to that, is the nurturing element. It's like, oh, babe, you've had a long day. Come home. Take a bath. Let's get in bed and read some stories. I made your favorite cookies. It's the way that we can soften and connect. And we don't always have to try. And we don't always have to achieve. And we can be held and accepted. So... How we grow and how we are nurtured are the same thing. And maybe there are different parts to it or to these, but they're really the same thing. You are what you eat, you know, so what you digest, what you're nurtured with and what you nourish uh, others with directly influences how we all grow, how you grow, how I grow, how we grow together. And what we nourish ourselves with shapes our minds and our attitudes and our belief systems. And those in turn become our rules and the expectations that we all set and follow. Of course, these are different um, tradition to tradition, clan to clan. And whatever family or families you belong to, Um, You'll have your own traditions, you'll have your own rules, you'll have the way that things are done and the ways that people perform success and achieve their ambitions and the ways that people have learned to nourish and nurture and take care of each other. 
And I think that for me, at least, it's been a really interesting thing to spend some time thinking about this, especially now at the solstice and moving into a new year. Um, It's natural for me, maybe for you too, to get to the end of a year and start to think about what it was all about and what happened and what I learned and what I'm hoping is going to happen and what I hope to learn in the next year. And for me, at least 2018 has been a year of really significant change. And I mean, really, really deep change. And I think a lot of people have been going through pretty profound changes in their lives and relationships and beings. I had um, some pretty significant relationships change this year. I've um, moved into kind of a, a new phase or next step of um, trying to be a grown up, and that sometimes feels awesome and sometimes feels crazy. And the world in general is just so strange right now that that in and of itself has been cause for me to change a lot. Just thinking about everything that's happening and feeling myself caught up in the midst of it and wanting desperately to participate in greater healing and well-being for the people around me and the planet that we share and feeling like I really don't know what's going to happen. I don't know which way humanity is going to go. I feel like we're really at um, some pretty major tipping points and I can't control much of it. I am one small person um, with a podcast and there's um, a little bit that I can do, but not that much. And feeling into that is also feeling into the choices that I have around that and the decisions that I want to make. And one of the choices that I've been trying to make and the decisions that I'm trying to make is to be more conscious of my choices um, and to not make them as habitually. I want to be more conscious of my consumer choices for sure. I want to participate less in mass devastation and exploitation of animals and people. Um, I want to be more conscious of the choices I make in my communication, especially with the people that I love and, um, more conscious of the choices I make, you know, in balance between work and everything else. So in considering that, I've also been thinking a lot about, well, why do I make the choices that I make and what is it that's driving me? And Asking that question for myself is not separate from asking that question of my culture Um, as an American, as a product of this place, um, I'm formed by it. And so this again is the energy of cancer, right? The, the home that you come from and none of us choose the home we come from. You know, it's, it's by chance and circumstance that we're born into the bodies that we're born into and the times and the places um, and to the people. So what you get is what you get. And it then claims you, your home claims you and it forms you and it shapes you and it builds your mind and your expectations and your desires. So thinking about like, well, what kind of choices do I want to make is also for me thinking about why do I make 
any of the choices that I make? What's underneath this? You know, if I want to change some pattern in my decision making, where did the pattern come from to begin with? And this question is especially interesting to me with the current astrology. Um, Now at the full moon, we're shifting into eclipse season. And eclipse season happens twice a year. Um, We have basically a irregular orbit. The earth is on a little bit of a tilt. And so um, when the sun and the moon line up for a new moon or when they oppose each other at a full moon, um, the, the sun and the moon are aligned or they're opposing from our apparent view, from our position here on earth. Um, but usually one is like higher or lower than the other. And so they don't cross in front of each other, or in the case of a full moon, the earth's shadow doesn't pass between them. And this is because the earth is on a wobble. But twice a year, um, the wobble aligns so that the ecliptic of the earth is in line with the moon and the sun at the same time. And then we have eclipses, and some of them are not Uh, total eclipses. Most of them are partial, Um, but we'll see a little bit of either the moon passing in front of the sun, which is a solar eclipse, or the shadow of the earth passing across the face of the moon, which is a lunar eclipse. And um, like I said, eclipse season is is twice a year and eclipse seasons change um, every year and a half or so. Um, And eclipses get earlier. They get progressively earlier in the year. So last year we had eclipses in February and August in the Leo and Aquarius axis. And this year the eclipses are moving into the Cancer Capricorn axis where they will be um, through the summer of 2020. So from now till then we'll have eclipses uh, in the, the winter and the summer months, but specifically in Cancer and Capricorn times. So this is significant astrologically, and I will tell you why. Um, Eclipses are a big deal. You know, if we think back to our ancestors and, um, you know, these markings of time with light and gosh, like the, the moon and the sun were prime navigation points. Like they're really important for us. Maybe they're not now. If you live in a city and you use Google Maps, like you don't look to see where the sun is in the sky to figure out which way is east. Um, but this is recent, you know, like it's really, really recent. We forget technology happens so fast. We forget that we used to orient ourselves by light. Not even that long ago, like your grandparents probably knew how to do that. Maybe some of you do if you're outdoors types of people. Um, anyway, I digress. So (laughs) eclipses are important, um, because they're, important phenomena, you know, to see the sun or the moon obscured is significant. It's a huge symbol. And the symbology of eclipses is deep. It is the symbol of our own shadow. It's the thing that's chasing us perpetually. And um, uh, eclipses are symbolized through the Ouroboros. It's the snake eating its own tail. And it's this idea of life eating life. So what I was just talking about with Cancer Capricorn, how things grow because of how they're nourished, is very similar to what the eclipses represent. 
And how I understand uh, eclipses, um, or what I should say is how I understand the nodes, uh, the north and the south node, which are the the places where eclipses happen. So when I'm looking at an astrology chart and thinking about eclipses, I'm looking at the north and the south nodes. And when the nodes align to the sun and the moon, then we get an eclipse. And so the nodes have to do with the um, polarity of the moon, of its gravitational force. Anyway, um, what the eclipses symbolize, as far as I understand it, is the turning of the wheel of karma. And karma is a word that I don't think that many people really understand. I don't know if I really understand it, um, but I know that it's more than the bumper stickers, like my karma ran over my dogma. Have you guys seen that one? Um, Karma is cause and effect in a really profound and ongoing context. Um, and, and this is ongoing, right? So cause and effect doesn't stop. A sound happens, you know, if you, if you make a sound in space, it's like not that there's sound in space, but that vibration, that resonance can travel forever. And um, this is basically what karma is. So the things your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents ate now showing up in your bones is inherited karma. So in astrology, there are cycles that bring certain karmas forward and basically produce um, a ripening of karma, like it's ready and it's ready to be realized and either resolved and released or acted upon and we spin the wheel one more time. We do it again. So you might understand then how the concept of karma is related to suffering. I mean, that's basically what it is. Karma is suffering. And Dharma is the life path. It's the path that we walk on and deal with karma. You know, you get born into a body. Your body is the collection of karma and you have to live with it. You've got to do something with it. And that's the Dharma. That's the path that you're on. So this is represented through stories and we feel the way that karma evolves uh, through observing eclipses. And eclipses are represented in the astrological charts um, with the north and the south nodes. So these are, again, the, the points where the orbit of the moon intersects the ecliptic. And the north node is um, like the ascending node, the ascending path where the moon moves into the northern hemisphere. Um, while the descending node is where the moon enters the southern hemisphere. So the north and the south nodes, um, respectively, relate to the head and the tail of the dragon. And again, this is the Ouroboros, the serpent that's eating its own tail. So the north node is the head. It's eating. (laughs) And the south node is the tail. It's releasing. And it goes on and 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 on. So one of the ways to observe eclipses in your own life is to think uh, about every 10 years. So you were born, then you were 10, then you were 20, 30, etc. 
and the eclipses um, move back into their axes, um, the ones that you were born in, every 10 years or so. So if you're having a round number year, if you're um, turning 30 or 40 or 20 or something this year, then you were probably born when the eclipses were in Cancer Capricorn. We're very early into that, so maybe you were born um, in the, the later part of a Leo Aquarius cycle, but um, if your birthday is in a couple months, definitely you know, you're born in this axis, so you're having your nodal return. Um, anyway, the North and the South nodes are often represented in a binary because that's, um, what we like to do is make one thing good and one thing bad. And so a lot of times you'll read about these points in like cookbook astrology on the internet with the North node being like destiny and this is amazing and yes. And then the South node being bad and fearful and, you know, things you don't want. Um, this is not at all how I understand it. I understand uh, both points to be both good and bad and to bring um, experiences that pertain to their energies. So the North Node is hungry and it is the force of our desire. It is what compels us and it's the stuff that we want and what we move towards and um, what we're asking for and what we're trying to grow into and evolve into. And in mythology, this point, Rahu, is ravenous. It's really hungry. And it's like, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Now, I don't know about you, but I can certainly relate to that feeling, especially at Christmas. Um, and maybe you can too. But whether or not it's at a holiday, you know, I think most people feel this like desire, you know, I want, whether it's, I want that thing, or I want that person, or I want that experience, or I want to succeed, or I want whatever it is that you want. That's the feeling of the North node. It's compulsive. Like I have to do it. I've got to get it. I want this. And remember that karma is unconscious. And so this is not you thinking, oh my God, I really want that sweater. It's the stuff that is driving you from your shadow. And this is the symbology of the eclipse. It's what's behind you. It's what's intrinsic to you. It's what you don't see, but is producing your desire. And so now you maybe understand it's like, Whatever the ancestry is, whatever the conditions of your positioning in this human life are, produces your desire. You're not coming up with it all on your own as the unique person that you hoped you were, right? And then the south node is what you're letting go of. It's karma that is releasing. It's time to go. You're not interested anymore. And it's where we give things away. And where we are empty ourselves and where we lose ourselves and where we don't have desire. And so in some ways, the South Node is a very spiritual point. It's austerity and renunciation of material wants, of the desire for life. You know, it's, it's letting go of it. So when uh, considering the eclipses and the North and the South Node, um, I was thinking back on um, some of my studies as a yoga teacher when I was um, studying with Richard Freeman, who's 
one of my early teachers and he was an amazing, is an amazing philosopher. And, um, I remember him talking a lot about Raga and Dwesha. And so these are, um, Sanskrit words and they describe, um, the two, I think most powerful vrittis and a vritti is a thought cycle. It's like a circular, um, spiralic experience that then we get stuck in. So these are the two most powerful and, um, they're kind of like the original, the, the original momentum for karma. And basically what they are is aversion and attraction. So raga is attraction, it's desire, it's wanting, and dwesha is repulsion, aversion, moving away from, I don't want that. And these feelings are so core to our existence as living beings here on the planet. We're attracted to life. You know, we smell something sweet and we want to eat it. We feel something pleasurable and we move towards it. Um, We can attain something and it's going to make our lives easier. So we want that. And this is not a bad thing. It's a natural thing um, to move towards pleasure and to desire. On the other side, not wanting or being um, repulsed by something is also necessary for life on the planet. You know, like if something smells bad, don't eat it. If someone's treating you poorly, reject them. (laughs) Um, There's a reason why we're repulsed. You know, it's a, it's a embodied state. But these instincts, when they are unconscious and functioning on micro levels of our being, are filled with bias and habit and trauma. So like and dislike, attraction and aversion are, this is karma, you know, what we're moving towards, what we're moving away from. And this is the path of evolution. So the eclipses are now moving back into the Cancer Capricorn axis. And again, this is a 10-year cycle. So if you think back to 2009, 2010, and what was happening then, maybe you'll start to see some recurring themes um, and the next phases of evolution that you're going through. And if you know your um, rising sign, then you'll know which houses Cancer and Capricorn relate with in your personal chart. And this is the areas of life where these things might be happening. Um, but for all of us, the theme here is parental issues, parental wounds, and dealing with those. And I'm just going to say that everybody has them. Um, you know, I talk to somewhere between five and 15 clients a week, and it doesn't matter what's going on. Like there's always something with the parent. There's always something with the origin. And I think that's um, totally normal because, you know, we're born as helpless little beings and then our parents have all the power and that's a real frustrating thing. And then our parents are humans and then they fuck up. And, you know, they might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and it makes some impression and, you know, it ruins our lives for whatever reason. Um, And some people have had wonderful experiences with their parents. They still have a parent wound. Um, And then regardless of our own parents, we have the parent wounds of our lineages and our cultures. And for those of us who are living under patriarchy, this is a huge wound 
This is a huge fucking wound that is an authority wound. Um, you know, that this energy of Capricorn, which really in its beauty is so judicious and wise and is the, um, it's the crone and the wise man archetype. You know, it's, it's seven generations, the council of elders that tells the stories, you know, passes on the traditions to the young ones. So they're not forgotten. So we remember how to heal. So we remember where we come from. This is Capricorn really at its essence and it, and it's most beautiful. Um, but that essence has been very distorted and it's been distorted by the church and it's been distorted by, I mean, by religions, by any form that seeks to maintain its own authority, that grasping of authority and refusal to die and the need to consume, um, everyone else's story and make everybody the same and make everybody the follower that is Capricorn at its nastiest, at its worst, Um, so this is a powerful energy, you know, that is wounding all of us, even the people that are benefiting from it, you know, even if, um, you know, you're like a white straight man. And I know there's like two of you who listen to this podcast, maybe more. Um, but those of you that are, it's like, you're listening because you know that it's hurting you too you know that you don't want to be that guy anymore. Like you don't want to walk into the room and have everybody think that you're that guy and you don't want to have to have the answer and you want to be able to cry and you want to be able to take a break sometimes and, um, you know, not be macho and you want to remember your healing capacity and your softness and, um, not have to be the things that patriarchy has said you have to be. And it hurts all of us, right? So there is one parental wound that I think everybody is dealing with, and we're dealing with it really strongly right now because the governing forces, um, the, the parental forces in the world are making really bad choices. They're being very abusive. Um, and then we have this other wound in the more, um, in the nurturing side. And in... Um, you know, in the role of a parent, this wound might look like abandonment and um, not receiving the nurturing or the accepting that we needed from our family and from our parents. Um, And a lot of people have experienced that in more than one way. And you could have lived, you know, with your parents, had a very fine upbringing and not have ever been accepted for who you really are. You have that feeling. And our parents are, are humans, right? Like everybody is a product of their time and culture and people's minds are typically kind of limited and often fearful and not always able to grasp the complexity of who someone is, especially if they're challenging to the status quo. So the pain of abandonment or the pain of uh, inadequate nurturing is a very real pain that I think a lot of people deeply, deeply feel. And another pain that is so impactful on all of us is literally it's the pain of our stomachs. Um, And I think that some of the ways that these parental wounds are really showing up is in our environment and in our consumptive habits, our consumption habits. Um, 
in preparing this podcast, I've been thinking about all of the associations for cancer and Capricorn. And of course, um, cancer rules the stomach, but it also rules the breasts and breast milk. And um, Taurus is the sign associated with the cow uh, or the bull, but the cow as a symbol is and, and has been a symbol for the mother, for the sacred mother and femininity and the goddess for a long time in many places around the world. And so um, we were reading this book the other day, and um, it's a beautiful book um, by Maya Tiwari called A Life in Balance. And she is a humanitarian and um, peace leader, um, and she's also an an Ayurvedic um, practitioner and uh, teacher. So in this book, she's talking about her memories growing up. Um, I can't remember where it was that she grew up. Her family is Indian and she grew up somewhere else, but she was talking about the way that she remembers cows being treated and how there was such reverence for them and so much love for them. And, uh, you know, that they were just kind of left to pasture and given a lot of food and given a lot of respect And that then they were milked and fresh milk was brought to all the families. And um, then people would boil it themselves and they would make ghee and yogurt and cream and all of this stuff. And that milk was this amazing food that was so nourishing. And that's the energy of cancer, right? It's deep, deep nourishment from the body to the body. And it really is this kind of nourishment is the nourishment of love And it's like, you know, put your love into those cookies and we all taste it. It's that kind of thing. So she was talking about how now the way that cows are treated is so grossly inhumane. And um, I don't need to go into all the details, but they're prisoners and they're slaves and they're exploited for their milk in really painful and awful ways for their entire lives. And they're not let outside and they don't eat what they're supposed to be eating. And then we wonder why so many people are lactose intolerant and their stomachs hurt. And these cows are fed uh, diets of monocrops. Um, and of course, monocrops are their own nourishment disease. Um, at least in the United States, the government subsidizes farmers to grow only one crop, like these big ass crops like corn or soy or wheat. And uh, because there's no biodiversity in the crops and diversity is what gives us life and creativity and health, um, then the soil is depleted. And then chemicals are required in order to make the, the crops grow and able to survive pests and blight and stuff like this. And so a lot of these crops are actually grown as cattle feed um, as well as human feed. And the milk then is poison, you know, so the cows are given drugs and they're given chemicals. And then we eat dairy and beef and our bodies are poisoned by it. Um, And it's the same thing, of course, with agriculture. It's not different. The plants are getting poisoned as well. And so in thinking about this, uh, you know, idea of embodied astrology and the ways that these energies uh, play out on earth. 
I'm thinking about our nutrition and our nourishment and the consumption choices that we make and also that we're given and that many of us are totally unaware of. Um, I've been learning more about how the agriculture industry is um, behind a lot of the forced migration that people from Central America are experiencing. So all of these um, folks that Donald Trump is so terrified of, the 3,000 people who um, you know are coming to steal all of our stuff, um, but mostly like people who are fleeing violence. Um, and a lot of the violence is created um, maybe directly or inadvertently through U.S.-led actions, not just for um, destabilizing the governments of those countries, but also through the agriculture industry and U.S. corporations um, basically going in and buying up huge amounts of land for monocrops or farmers in these countries um, selling to U.S. corporations because it's the way that they can make money and not be pushed off their land. And in the United States, um, a lot of the folks who are so terrified of these people coming in to steal other stuff are rural folks and farmers and people who would say that they really support um, American farmers. And American farmers are killing themselves. You know, we're, we're having an epidemic of farmer suicides um, because crops aren't growing and they're failing and the farms have been extremely, excuse me, farmers have been extremely hurt by the tariffs that Trump's been imposing, um, as well as the depletion of their land and the lack of any kind of economic stability that they might have as producers of smaller crops, um, working in collectives or something like that. Anyway, this is stuff that I'm learning about and I'm not an expert in, but I will link some articles to the blog post on Embodied Astrology if you're interested. I also follow uh, a lot of the people that follow me on Instagram, and I know that um, I've got some listeners who are really involved with food justice and sustainability. So if y'all have any resources that you want to share with everyone, just send me an email. Um, so anyway, <laughs> back to the parent wounds. Um, these eclipses, I think, will be bringing these issues to light. Environmental issues and nourishment issues and the way that our consumer habits, our hungers, are manifesting as... Um, symptoms of, of really like long-term and kind of complete uh, human and environmental exploitation and suffering. So over these couple of years, we are moving towards cancer. This is where the North Node is. And if we are moving towards these kinds of experiences, if we're hungry for these kinds of experiences, one of the ways we're going to see this play out inevitably, um, is with increased nationalism. Uh, again, cancer is the sign of nation and home. I was going to talk about two other charts. I don't have time. I was going to talk about the United States Declaration of Independence chart and also the chart for the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, thanks to Annika for bringing that up the other day. But 
maybe that'll be another time. Both of those charts have really interesting stuff going on in Cancer and Capricorn and, um, you know, relating to these ideas of home and people and um, citizenship, you know, and where we belong and where we can belong. But these are big themes right now. They are not getting any smaller in terms of the, the issues that are being compounded around migration and citizenship and um, sanctuary. Um, so this will continue, you know, and it's going to continue on both sides. I think for those of us who are on a path of liberation and wanting to walk a path of love or a sacredness path, the next year and a half is going to be really big work in opening our hearts and deepening our capacity for empathy and compassion. Um, cancer is the sign that invites people in and that says, come home. You have a place with me. You belong here. I love you. I care about you. If we can do that for ourselves, we can do it for each other. If we can't do it for ourselves, we can't actually do it for each other. It ends up being needy then and, and manipulative and clingy and sensitive and, you know, bad boundaries and stuff like that. And that's the other side of cancer. So in healing our parent wounds, um, you know, we get stable inside of ourselves. We um, know that to love and see other people um, is a gift. You know, it's it's a stabilizing gift. It, kind of helps us be more sane on the planet. Um, but there's a lot to unpack, especially if you're someone who carries trauma around groups of people or certain um, kinds of people to, to work through some of that layered trauma, to work through and find the parts of yourself that have been abandoned and isolated and hurt by these groups of people and then to figure out how to let them back in is huge work. And it's like, you know, excavating, um, and taking out, uh, enormous, I don't know, spears that have been stuck in your body and then trying to heal from that. But that's the work we can do over the next year and a half. And as we do that, as we get more accepting, as we, um, commit to, to our families and really expand the idea of what family can be and what belonging is and um, what our home is, maybe moving into more of an idea of a global citizen than a national citizen, um, then we'll, we'll make different traditions, we'll make different rules, we'll um, have different kinds of governance. And these eclipses will definitely stimulate what is already happening in Capricorn, which is the which are is the transits of um, Saturn and Pluto through the signs. So I've talked a lot about this in podcasts um, uh, a plenty, but Pluto moved into Capricorn in 2008, and Saturn moved in um, last winter in December of 2017. And throughout 2019, they are heading towards a conjunction, and a conjunction is like a new moon. It's when the two planets align from our point of view here. And when we get into January of 2020, basically a year from now, they will reach their conjunction. So all of 2019 is an applying aspect. This is a growing aspect. It is getting stronger and stronger. It's forming. It's feeling more and more intense. And Pluto is basically the transformational force. It, it creates metamorphosis. It turns one thing 
into another thing. And Pluto moving through Capricorn is Pluto moving through the sign of governance and leadership. Um, I wanted to talk about the United States chart because the United States as an idea, as an ideology with the declaration, um, was born with Pluto and Capricorn. So some of you might be experiencing your Saturn returns right now if you're somewhere around 30, 60, or even 90 years old. Um, Saturn is probably back in the same sign it was when you were born. And the Saturn return is a maturation process. It is um, becoming an adult or becoming an elder. If you're going through your first Saturn return, you are starting to feel your body in different ways. You're starting to understand your aging process differently. You're starting to think about your habits and what kinds of habits are going to sustain you in your adulthood and what decisions you want to make for the rest of your life. And these are really important decisions that you come to. These are mature decisions, and this is a cycle of Saturn. So Pluto, as an energetic force that transforms, and transformation means something has to die, um, that a United States is having its Pluto return. And we can see it. Our, our governance is in its death throes. The Constitution has been killed. Um, if you know, basically everybody can see the thing for what it is. It's like, no, not all men are created equal and not all women are either. And, um, the founding fathers had a particular idea of what they were doing, but that idea is really, uh, problematic and maybe it's beautiful in some ways. The idea of thinking, um, you know, that everybody has a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Um, but if that isn't actually the thing that's being enacted, if we're actually still living in a slave state, if we're actually still living in um, a kind of fiefdom where a couple of people have all the money and all the power and everybody else is working for them, we have not achieved the American dream. And it's, uh, you know, fallacy to say that we are. So this is up for question. We are transforming it right now. Um, and how it transforms and how it rebirths, we don't know, but the eclipses will be, um, probably pivotal times. And there will be a lot of people who are making decisions to cede power, to let go of their money and to let go of their authority and they might not make these decisions. They might be pushed out. They might lose their stuff too. Um, but the South Node in Capricorn implies this, that it is a time to give up power, to give up authority. So if you're someone who holds privilege in your life, think about the ways that you can give it joyfully. You know, you don't need to have it wrestled from you. It doesn't need to be a horrible thing. It can actually be an incredibly joyful experience to empower other people, especially people who don't have a lot of power, to help other voices get heard, you know, to share money with people who need it more than you, that can nurture your soul. It can feed you on a very, very, very deep level. Um, so questions to bring into the new year and to bring into this full moon cycle and into the um, year and a half that we're heading into of eclipses in this range what are you nurturing? What are you tending to? What are you caring for? 
And what do you want to grow? These are questions for the North Node in Cancer, you know? What are, what are we holding? And the South Node in Capricorn, the questions are, what's driving us forward? How do we respect and understand the past and where we came from and our positioning in order to consciously nurture the future, to get free of our habits, to get free of this constant cycle of suffering, of attraction and aversion that we don't even know is happening. And that's really the path of yoga, I think, is um, getting to a space where we can choose. And it's not that we won't feel the things. We aren't trying to be indifferent. It's like getting to the place where we're not ruled by them without knowing it. And we can be in a place of conscious choice. Okay, so I think I'll leave it there. Um, I was going to talk about these other charts and was also going to just give a shout out to Venus in Scorpio conjunct series, trying to Neptune. There's a lot of love right now. Mercury conjunct Jupiter in Sagittarius, a lot of big ideas. Love and big ideas and energy and momentum and healing and opportunities to live into the future day by day with the aim of waking up and being kind and uh, not making it worse. So here's to 2019. I hope to see you um, later. If it's still December 22nd and you're in Portland, Oregon, and it is before 2.30 p.m., then come join me at North Portland Yoga for a winter solstice ritual and celebration. Um, Otherwise, maybe catch you at Psychic Sister on Alberta Street, January 5th for Welcoming 2019. It's an astrology workshop for all levels. We'll be looking at upcoming astrology and how to work with it from an embodied perspective. That workshop will also be available online a couple of days after. So make sure to check Embodied Astrology or Instagram or wherever you get the updates um, if you're interested in that. So I'll catch you at the next new moon on January 5th, also the first of the solar eclipses in the Cancer Capricorn axis. And until then, I'm wishing you all the best. Happy full moon, solstice blessings, and a very happy new year. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.